Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We are in Studio B today on Airline Drive. Greetings from the headquarters of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. And if you're like me, you think today is Monday. Well, (laughs) it is Tuesday, and this is the Tuesday edition. The uh, Saints begin OTAs today, and we'll have uh, um, helmets-only work uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday. So we've got uh, some things to talk about football-wise later in the week. I know that we'll be uh, speaking with a number of the Saints on Thursday afternoon, and so we're very much looking forward to that. And that off-season program is, well, we're right in the middle of it now. So getting closer and closer, by the way, to minicamp in June, which uh, don't forget, and we'll talk about this more as we get closer, um, is open to the public. This week, not open to the public. Mini, our minicamp in June, though, um, hopefully we'll have great weather. It'll be outside here, open to the public, and more on that as we uh, turn the corner. You know, the other thing about Memorial Day is it's early this year. Um, I keep thinking that like we should be June right now, and today is May 26th, <laughs> so that's got me a little thrown off. Uh, speaking of being thrown off, I wonder how Steph Curry's feeling today. Probably a little off himself. What a what a scary moment last night in the Western Conference Finals of the NBA playoffs. Curry was hurt but did return. Houston, though, a big winner as they avoid the sweep and force now a Game 5 in that Western Conference series. Harden, 45 points last night. Okay. And uh, we'll see what happens between the Cavaliers and the Hawks uh, tonight. But the Hawks uh, may be uh, on the brink of just completely crumbling into a 1,000 pieces. But we'll see. We'll see if they can get that done and and uh, force yet another day in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, of course, yesterday, uh, not only is it was it Memorial Day, and I hope that all of you took time to um, – pause to remember those who gave their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy but in the uh, college baseball world it's a huge day uh, as the um, NCAA tournament field is announced and congratulations to three different Louisiana teams the Raging Cajuns the Tigers and the Greenies are all in Uh, two of the three teams will play in the Baton Rouge Regional where LSU uh, not only is the number two seed overall nationally but hosting as the one seed in their regional starting on Friday, 
They'll uh, take on Lehigh, which uh, the mountain something or others. Anyway, I know it's up in Pennsylvania. You familiar with the Lehigh, whatever they are? Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's the 3 o'clock game on Friday. And then the Tulane Green Wave make a return to the NCAA postseason for the first time since 08. They will take on UNC Wilmington at 7 o'clock on Friday night. We don't normally you know, step away from the NBA NFL box, but um, we're going to do so starting today. We're going to talk to Ty Graffinini of uh, Tulane University today. It's the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. I knew I was close to something. Mountain Hawks. Anyway, right, Graff on today. To get the two-lane angle, we'll effort to hear from um, LSU tomorrow, and perhaps we'll check in on the Raging Cajuns as well. They will compete, by the way, in the Houston Regional, which is the regional that is paired up with the Baton Rouge Regional. So the winners of those two regionals will see each other, not this weekend, excuse me, but the weekend after. Uh, Jim Eichenhofer also to stop in here at Studio B. We'll talk to him and get his thoughts here on this Tuesday. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's club. quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report. We continue here from Studio B. College baseball conversation in just a bit, which we're going to probably touch on a couple days this week. But we'll start with Tulane and Ty Graffinini coming up. But first, though, uh, in the chair next to me is Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Uh, did you have a good Memorial Day weekend, sir? I did. How, did, how was uh, your Memorial Day? Um, it was a mix of fun and uh, relaxation, which nice. I think was needed in the Kelly household. So um, there's never a shortage of things to do around these parts uh, if you can dodge the uh, storms and whatnot. By the way, how bad did that look in Houston this morning when all those reports started coming yeah, in? Yeah, I heard there were people people were stuck in the arena for a while yes. last night, and things are businesses are closing down. And man, it was. It was bad. All right, so all of you uh, in Houston today, and I know there are many that listen to this podcast over that way, we're, uh, we're sending goodwill your way. Hope that everything works out uh, for the best over there. It'll be a little bit of a process. Speaking of process, this process of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals uh, has been less than spectacular mm -hmm. as far as uh, competition goes. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm watching two different teams here just implode in on themselves 
Yeah. Uh, even though Harden picks up the Rockets and gets them a win last night, um, these have been pretty one-sided so far. Yeah, the first it's funny. The first round I thought was really disappointing this year, especially compared to past years. The second round was really good. And then this round has been kind of back to the way the first round was, where you had a lot of 3-0 margins and a lot of really non-competitive series. Um, I was a a little disappointed. I think a lot of people probably were, other than Cavs fans, that the Hawks didn't win Game 3 because they really had a good chance. And if they win that game, it's 2-1 right now, and it's – there's some interest there, there, but uh, you know, right now with them being down three-one, it's it, it's really obviously bleak since no one's ever come back from that. So it's it's it has been a disappointing conference finals. There's no no way around that. Well, then if your pattern holds true, then the NBA finals will be absolutely fantastic. You would hope so. Yes, <laughs> which at this point I think is a foregone conclusion. We're going to see Cavaliers and Warriors. Sure. Um, what happens now with Steph Curry? That was pretty horrific last night. Look, we see falls like that all the time. But, you know, we haven't seen a fall like that to a caliber player that Curry is in a conference finals. I think there there was obviously there was a collective holding of the breath last Mm. night on different levels. Sure. I mean, the good news is unless something changes, because sometimes it does with the whole concussion thing. But the good news is that it seemed like he didn't have any issues on, on that front. I think when he first went down and you saw him holding his head. The first thing that had to go through a lot of people's mind, especially Warriors fans, is if this guy has if he if he has a concussion, as we've seen with different players that we've had here, including Anthony Davis, and I remember Jason Smith had a really um, you know had a situation where he was out for a while. Sometimes you don't know how long a guy's going to be out for. So one of the first things I thought when it looked like it was possible that he had a concussion is, man, is this guy going to be out for a while? Is he going to miss the rest of the series? Um, but fortunately he came back and played, I think it got back in, in the very next quarter. So, I mean, from the Warriors perspective, hopefully he's, he's fine. And boy, it would be, it would be, it would be terrible obviously for them, but terrible for the game and the NBA if, if he had to miss any time at this stage of, of the season. I'd be curious as to what the difference between a head contusion and a concussion is. I mean, from my understanding, <laughs> <touch> that? <laughs> for, I mean, from, I always think of, and I'm obviously I'm no doctor, but everyone always says that a contusion is just a fancy way to say bruise. It is. So, as far as I know, I think that was that was basically what he had. Is just he had a bruise on his head, which sounds scary enough as it is, but at least it wasn't a concussion. Okay, fair enough. But we still think it's going to be Warriors and Cavaliers, correct? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> June fourth is what we're hearing as far as the start of the finals. Are uh, look this this isn't going to change anytime soon because of the network television aspect of this. But, Jim, when this is all said and done, once again, it will take two full months to play the NBA postseason. Healthy, you think, for the game or fine? I don't like – I mean, it's been this way for a while. It doesn't bother me that much, the total length of the postseason, even though I can see how two months is a pretty pretty long um, format. But it does – it does bother me a little bit that there, especially if both series had been a sweep, there would have been, I think, nine days between the conference finals and the NBA finals. I mean, and in one way it's good because you, you have a lot of time to build up the hype, but I feel like in a lot of ways you lose the momentum and the excitement that people have and kind of the rhythm of, okay, there's a game every day or a game every other day. So, I mean, who it, it could be, I mean, this it could be over, the conference finals could be over by tomorrow night, and you're still looking at a very long block of time with no games. But, um, I mean, at least Houston didn't get swept, so that extended it a little bit. But, I mean, 
I, I heard they were talking about moving it up maybe two days, but there's a lot of issues with that as far as like travel from international reporters getting to come in here for the NBA Finals and they know exactly what day they're going to they're supposed to start the series. So, I mean, I, I wish they I wish there was a way that they could move it up in cases where both conference finals end quickly, but it sounds like it's a lot more complicated than I, than yeah. I thought it was initially. I didn't think about the travel for those coming from abroad to cover yeah. the games. That's a great, great point right there. And then after that, we'll have a real quick run-up to the NBA draft, which will happen in late June, which leads me into the Pelicans calendar a little bit here. Um, what What is the latest with the Pelicans? I know that fans here of late, we've, we've gone from – a uh, press conference and uh, and news that Monty Williams was uh, not not going to return, and that a new head coach search is underway. But then, subsequently after that, we've had a couple of releases about this player is getting this cleaned up, or this player has had this little surgical procedure done. <laughs> it seems like there hasn't been a lot of great things to talk about. Not right. that those medical procedures were bad. I think that a lot of times those cleanouts, those cleanups are somewhat routine, especially for where our guys are in their careers but mm-hmm. um i think maybe a, a different piece of news would be good at this point are we yeah. are we heading into a new phase of the calendar here for the uh, for the pelicans now that we're past memorial day it could be i mean I, I don't get too upset or too um down about some of the releases on the medical procedures only because i feel like when i look when i think back to when i first started here or even like five or six years ago i think a lot of times players had those procedures but they didn't they maybe the the team or the player didn't officially or publicly release that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of that stuff does go on, but I think maybe in the last few years it's been more of a thing where you you always um you know publicly announce stuff like that. Um as far as the next phase of the off season though, I I mean I'm sure a lot of people are are looking forward to um finding out and seeing who the new head coach is going to be. I mean, I'm excited just from the standpoint of, you know, when that person comes in to just you know kind of be able to tell their story and and kind of talk about what kind of what are some of the things that they can bring to the table so i mean i think that is obviously the big thing now right that we're looking at is is uh is what what happens when the next coach comes in and and i mean frankly right now i don't there's definitely no timetable i think the biggest thing is just to make sure that they they make the the right decision and they get the best guy they can possibly get what do you think prior to the i just give you one date you tell me before or after let's just take the nba draft is there a new pelicans head coach before the draft or after the draft completely um speculating and guessing i would say yes only from i mean partly from the standpoint of i think we're still looking at um a solid four and a half weeks between now and the nba draft um i don't think it's in, I don't think it's entirely crucial that you have a head coach by then. I mean, it'd be different if you had a lottery pick. I mean, I think if if you're picking in the top 10 or top 15 or even if you have a first-round pick, I think you want maybe the head coach to have some input or be able to say, you know, have some kind of feedback or say like, hey, I want this or I want that. But I think when you're picking 56th in the draft, I don't think it's necessarily that big of a priority. It's a lot more important that you make sure that you get the right coach than it is that you – get the make the right pick at with that late in the draft let me ask your personal opinion on this and you can deflect if you like or whatever but <laughs> now that you've covered this team home and away now um, consistently knowing full well what the core players are that Dell Demps has in this program knowing full well what periphery players may be in or or not in with regard to going toward the fall um, if you were to make your list of things that you'd like to see in the new Pelicans head coach um, what's at the top there I think 
there's two big things that I've talked about and thought about um, the last few weeks. Um, I think the number one thing is a guy that can Im- help them improve defensively. They finished 22nd in defensive efficiency this season, which was actually an improvement from the year before. But still, I don't, I don't think anywhere near where, where the team hopes to be. And when you have the number one shot blocker in the league like Anthony Davis, I mean, there's so many other factors to m- making a, an effective defensive team. But when you have a guy like that, you, you think it's realistic that you can finish at least in the top half of the league. So that's number one. Number two to me is I, I would like to them to play at a faster pace. So I would like to have a coach that – um, I mean, you don't have to play necessarily the Phoenix Suns of 10 years ago pace, but I think I want to say they were 26th or 27th in pace this year, which I think is also not the best utilization of Anthony Davis as far as, you know, you have an athletic, um, you know, once-in-a-generation big guy who can run the floor and can, can finish fast breaks and do all the different stuff that we've seen him do. So I'd say those are the two two biggest things is, a guy that will help you improve on defense and a guy that will um, encourage a, a faster style of play. Help me out with one more thing before you go. Anthony Davis is all NBA first team, which is to me right on the money. How is he the leading shot blocker in the NBA, <laughs> all defensive second team? I think I, a lot of people had mentioned this when it first came out. The one, the one theory that I have to, to kind of calm people down a little bit is that because they do all defensive by positions, they don't take the top five guys. Mm-hmm. Because of that, he's considered a forward. And um, Kawhi Leonard was Defensive Player of the Year. Draymond Green was considered maybe second or third. I can't remember where he was voted. So I think really AD was hurt by the fact that he's a forward. If you would just if you just take the best five guys, I think he would have been on all defense first team. But as it turned out, he's probably the third forward I guess when people voted for you know all defensive team and because of that he ends up on the second team all right good answer by the way <laughs> thanks um, follow you on Twitter at where uh, just my name with underscore in between you might want to spell that last name for everybody <laughs> sure it's uh, E-I-C-H E-N-H-O-F-E-R very good there he is from pelicans.com Jim Eichenhofer we'll be right back here from Studio B In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarain's has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarain's has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarain's, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new nutty super grain vegan smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior protein, super grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. 
Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you're invited to try out. Audition prep classes are starting soon, with open auditions happening Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. Get details on these prep classes, open auditions, and full Pelicans dance team coverage now at pelicans.com. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Uh, every once in a while, we kind of step out of our comfort zone a little bit, and, and why not when you're talking about college baseball here in our area? Uh, it is red hot right now as the uh, NCAA tournament, for that matter, begins here this coming weekend with regional play. And uh, certainly everyone's excited about the Louisiana flavor in the tournament. Three teams from the state have made it in, two of which will play at the regional in Baton Rouge, hosted by the uh, number two overall seed, LSU Tigers. And for the first time since 2003, which was my first season with Ty Graffinini and Tulane Baseball, uh, Tulane will participate in the Baton Rouge Regional. With that, we bring in Graff, the voice of the Tulane Green Wave. Todd, congratulations. I know spirits are high in Uptown right now for the Green Wave. Sean, thank you so much. Uh, you do not know how glad I am to be talking to you right now because <laughs> that means we're still playing. That's right. That's right. Um, give me the give me the, a sense of the room yesterday uh, when Tulane, not knowing whether they were in or out, uh, got the news. It was uh, it was pretty cool, Sean. Uh, you know, it, we actually went back in time yesterday. It was 1994 all over again. It really was. Um, you know, when when you were here and, and you, you just talked about 2003 and, and getting in. You know, back then for us, it was that was just the right of the spring. I mean, it it, it would have taken a catastrophic uh, demise to to not get in a regional the way our program was at the time. And I don't want to say we took it for granted, but you, you just had a feeling you were going to be playing in the postseason every May and, and, and June, and, and it was just the way it was. And obviously that hasn't been that way here for seven years. We haven't gotten in, and, and when that name popped up on the screen, it, just, it, it was an awesome moment. And those guys were really, really excited, and I was just so happy for those players and the coaches who've uh, just done a tremendous job. And, you know, now the season starts again, and, and – uh, I, look, Baton Rouge, it could have been Timbuktu. It would not have mattered. We just needed to get in and, and play a little postseason baseball and, and, and get this program back to where it needs to be. Yeah, more on the regional in just a second. When you look back, though, on this season, what, what got Tulane in? What gets him back to the postseason for the first time in seven years? Oh, boy. That's, uh, I tell you what, first of all, our league. Our, our league was outstanding, and – you know, the third RPI uh, league in America. And the fact that we came in third place was huge. And getting into third place happened because we swept a doubleheader on the final day of the regular season at Memphis. Uh, after losing the Thursday game, it was actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We did not play on Friday. We got rained out. So you have to sweep a doubleheader on the road to win the series which is sweeping a doubleheader is, is hard enough. Sweeping it on the road in league play is even harder. And when throwing throw on top of that, Sean, one of those games was a seven-inning game where, where it's really amped up. It, it's, uh, I mean, the, the, the degree of difficulty was unbelievable. And, 
you know, we're down to nine outs, Sean. We're down two to nothing in that first game, which was a seven-inning game. And Garrett Deschamps led the top of the fifth off with a home run, and uh, Richard Carthall went out later, doubled, and he scored on a wild pitch to tie the game up at two in the fifth. And when that happened, you could just sense the energy level go up in our dugout and go down in the Memphis dugout. And the rest of the day wasn't close. Uh, we, we scored a couple runs in the sixth, got great pitching out of the out of the pen in the second game, and and absolutely buried them. We had 19 hits in the second game, and, the, and it wasn't even close. And little did we know uh, at that time that was going to be it. That was going to be the deciding factor. There's not a doubt in my mind that day that day got us in. So what happens this weekend? How does this set up for Tulane? How does uh, David want to do this? Starting with UNC Wilmington on Friday. Well, you know, we really haven't talked about uh, who we're going to throw yet. Uh, you know, we've got we've got four quality starters, Sean, and we really don't have an ace. Now, Corey Merrill has started every Friday night this year for us, uh, including the first game of the tournament, but he's just really struggled lately with his control. And and you know, Coach Pierce said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it that he just thinks Corey's uh, hit a bit of a wall, a little, little bit of fatigue. You know, he pitched only 55 innings as a freshman last year, and he's over 90 this season. So that that's, might have been affecting what he's been doing as far as his control because he's really not a guy that's going to walk a, a, a lot of batters. But, but in the last three ball games, he's averaging about four or five walks a game, and that's just too much. Uh, I think right now our most consistent starter has been Alex Massey over the last – Oh, probably month and a half. But you know, on the uh, the other day against UConn in the tournament, he walked a lot of guys. So we're just going to have to whoever whoever's going to start against UNC Wilmington is going to have to throw strikes. And I know that's very basic, but Sean, when you don't throw strikes, even if even if you don't give up hits, if you're consistently having three one, three two counts, falling behind, not throwing strike one, it builds up your pitch count and it, it affects what's going to happen the rest of the game. Instead of going maybe seven innings or a possible eight innings, you're going to have to pull your starter out in the fifth or the sixth, and that's what gets into your bullpen, and that's what, that's what really uh, hurts depth-wise. So throwing strikes, whoever may be pitching on Friday, is going to be the key. Uh, for the Tulane Green Wave. I know it's been a while, but you know how this works, and that, that Friday night game is, is huge. Um, it it right. does potentially, though, set up a Tulane-LSU matchup on Saturday, which everybody around here is kind of filming at the mouth floor. For those who have not experienced that, can you put into words, even if, even if it has been a while, um, what that means for baseball in our region, basically? It's great. Uh, you know, the... We used to have, you know, and again, back when we, you know, I don't want to get into all that stuff, Sean, but Tulane LSU, when both teams were at their peak, at their pinnacle, Tulane really in the 98 to 05 was was the height of the program. Those games not only were competitive, uh, both teams were winning, which of course is the definition of of a rivalry. When, when one team is winning all the time, that's not a rivalry. Uh, this is both teams were, were at the top of their games. And those games were like football games. They weren't like baseball games, Sean. You were going into a baseball stadium with a football atmosphere. Uh, that's about as simply as I can put it. Uh, it is very intense. Um, 
you know, the fans get into it. And it's, it's just a whole lot of fun to be a part of, uh, even just in the, in the radio booth, because you can feel it. You can feel it in the stadium. And I think, I think it'll look, obviously, we've got to get past Wilmington first, and Wilmington's really, really good. Um, but it would be great to play those guys up there in a regional setting. It just doesn't, when you play them in the regular season, it just doesn't have that feel to it. Uh, they're going to be 11,000 people there, and they're going to all be pulling against us. And uh, anyone who's ever been in the box, old or new, knows what that's like. It's it's a very difficult place to play. Those fans, they uh, they can win games sometimes by themselves. And look, LSU's talented enough. They don't need help uh, from the fans, but they they get it when they're up there. So it's uh, I I hope that it happens. Uh, but we got to worry about Wilmington on Friday night first. Yeah, let's uh, on Friday night. I'm I'm hoping to get out and see the games on Friday. And for those who have not followed Tulane um, as closely as um, I guess that that inner core of fans, give me something this weekend. Whether they watch on television or go to the games in Baton Rouge, give me a player or a phase of Tulane's game that that is worth a, a real good look. You know what I mean? Something that where you'd say, yeah. okay, I can't wait till so and so comes up or this phase of their defense, uh, what is it about Tulane that would you would say, if I had to make a list, what's at the top of fun to watch or intriguing to watch? Well, what, what has been fun to watch for me this year, Sean, has been our defense. Um, we're fielding at 973, and we have made not only good plays, we've made spectacular plays, and it really starts by, from our shortstop, Stefan Alamace. Uh, that kid is as talented as anyone who's going to be on that field this weekend. And and I'm including Alex Bregman in that. Uh, now, obviously, Alex Bregman is, is the, the premier player in the country. But Stefan Alamace has all the tools that Bregman does. Uh, he just needs to refine them a little bit. But that kid has made plays this year that you, your jaw is dropped. And he made a play against, against uh, East Carolina in the conference tournament that w- that any major leaguer would have been like, oh my goodness gracious, I can't believe a kid made that play. Uh, just deep into the hole, sprinting towards the the left field foul line, running away from first base, and he got the ball there. You can't you can't even you can't even draw it up. So, but but he can do it. He can go to his right. He can go to his left. And uh, he's won at least three games with his glove this year. Uh, that you know, Sean, that's that's really been our most consistent part of the game. Uh, our pitching has been solid all year long. Our hitting has just been very inconsistent. We, we have to have ABs in clutch situations. Uh, we're just, we're not one of those teams that's going to send up, you know, five, six kids hitting 300. That's just not us. We have one 300 hitter in our lineup. So the situational hitting uh, runners at third, less than two outs, uh, got to put the ball in play. Those are the type of things we have to do uh, to win ball games. That, along with throwing strikes and, and making plays defensively. Todd Graffinini, voice of the Green Wave. Um, enjoy the week. <laughs> I have a feeling you will. I'm already enjoy. Yeah. I'm already enjoying it. And it's Tuesday. I'm. I cannot wait. And you don't say this very often, but I can't wait to go to Baton Rouge. <laughs> I really can't, Sean. Uh, I am I am really really looking forward to this because it's been a long time coming and just to just to be in that stadium in that atmosphere 
I mean, you, you've been there, Sean. Yep. It's, it's what you live for when you're when you're broadcasting. So yeah, absolutely, uh, this is what it's all about. And I'm just I'm just glad we're in the mix again. Tulane and UNC Wilmington on Friday night. What do you think? Seven o'clock? Is that fair? Seven o'clock. Yeah. Seven o'clock. Uh, and under then the light. Yeah, that's game two. Game one is LSU and uh, Lehigh. By the way, that's a small school right. out of Pennsylvania. So uh, we'll we'll talk LSU tomorrow. But we start here with Tulane today and. Uh, I know this is the NFL and the NBA, but you can't ignore what's going to be an exciting weekend in college baseball. Graf, all the best. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Sean. You got it. Uh, That all starts again on Friday. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back here on the Black and Blue Report. Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Had a good Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. We always appreciate when you make uh, the Saints and Pelicans a part of your day. We love being a part of yours, obviously, and that uh, hopefully the rest of your Tuesday is fantastic. Fantastic guest today. Good stuff from Jim Eichenhofer uh, from Pelicans.com and from Ty Graffinini, and how excited are those in Uptown right now as Tulane makes a return to the postseason. We're efforting to hear from LSU tomorrow to get their take on hosting and being the number two overall seed. Definitely tomorrow we've got a great guest in Aaron Kelly. Ah, the name, Kelly. No, no, no. No relation to this Kelly, but more importantly, Aaron Kelly, the daughter of uh, Football Hall of Famer and uh, Buffalo Bills legend Jim Kelly. She and her mother have written a book. It is called Kelly Tough. And we're going to talk to Aaron Kelly tomorrow right here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll look forward to seeing you then sometime afternoon tomorrow, of course, on NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, on both of the two team apps, and on iTunes as well. For Daniel Sowers, and I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.